0: When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewinder up with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewinder up for Monday night. Downloaded load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewinder up for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade the mic. Hello everybody, we are live rewind to raw i am john pollock and joining me tonight he has found his way back to canada back into your lives he is a refreshed waiting i'm back hello what's going on we missed you
1: oh thank you very much i've missed you guys as well everybody not just you john but everybody in the zoom room everybody listening right now thank you very much um i've had a, a great honeymoon
0: that's great, did you were you able to turn everything off just enjoy uh, a restful week?
1: I would say for the most part, yeah, I mean you know, like from time to time, I would still check up on seeing what the news was i mean i I happen to be away for a really, really busy week, you know the whole landscape. Yeah, what are you was, talking about whole landscape has changed. we've got a new champion i mean nXt has all sorts of different colors attached to it now, uh you know uh, you know dynamo rampage is two hours now, what the hell. You know, so a lot of stuff has happened, but of course I want to thank not just you, John, but uh, everybody who chipped in and, and, and filled in for us. So anytime one of us is away, including Andrew Thompson, including John Ceno, including Kate from Montreal, uh, including WH Park and Scrump and Stank doing a great job filling in for MCU later. But, you know, all, all of our hosts, I thought all of our guest hosts did tremendous jobs like on the particular shows that they would happen to be on uh, so much so that I, I can't wait to take my next vacation.
0: Yeah, yes. look at that. The shows well, will be great. We, we've got a great roster uh, that was all willing to step up and uh, fill your shoes, and they all did a tremendous job, and it was great to chat with a lot of uh, different people over the last week. Uh, but we've got to get way caught up, so we're going to start with SmackDown from Madison Square Garden a week <laughs> ago Friday.
1: <laughs> oh, and, and um, Brother Nate, how could I forget? Of
0: course. Yes, Nate Milton kicked things off. The uh, mm-hmm. the wayless uh, week plus, it really was. So... Um, what was I going to ask you? How much uh, did you kind of scope out wrestling wise over the past week? Did you go back and watch anything in particular? I know, I know, Raw. I'm sh- actually I say that facetiously, but I'm sure you did probably at least catch the ending of Raw.
1: Yeah, I caught all the major moments from the, from the various shows. I caught all of Dynamite. Of course, I caught Dark Dark Side of the Ring, which seemed, seemed to be you know the biggest talking point from the last week uh and really highlights uh, or as much as i can from all the other shows before i got back here so i'm pretty well caught up
0: all right well we are going to uh, probably be discussing a bit of a dark side of the ring because of uh some of the news items tonight but i want to start off with uh, chatting a little bit about what is going on at the site this week it's it's very very busy of what we have going on and before i forget uh, we're going to have a bunch of people contributing to the site over the next week. It's a it's a crazy weekend. Uh, we are going to have LuchaBlog covering the CMLL anniversary card. We're going to have Karen Peterson, who has been a guest before with WH Park, doing the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix. Uh, John Pine, your, your comrade on mm-hmm. Rewind Away recently, doing uh, reviews for GCW Emo Fight on Thursday night. I mean... It feels like, uh, 2006. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I guess. Um, will there be, you know, a lot of sad songs being sung? Will there be like curly, fluffy hair? I think,
0: I think Marco Stunt is performing. Oh, You ever heard like him perform? I have not. No. Go, go watch when he was on the, um, the wait, what was it called? The waiting room with Britt Baker. Was that her segment on dark? Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, go go watch it. It will it will blow you away, actually. Okay,
1: um, wow, amazing. What is the, what an interesting
0: different idea from GCW? Yeah, yes, yeah, very very interesting. So, um, Minoru Suzuki is doing the next night's GCW. I can only hope he, he's not, not going to be Suzuki. <laughs> he's not Look, Thursday be night. Fight? I mean, we know he's going to be at Arthur Ashe Stadium on Wednesday, and Thursday night, if he shows up at Emo Fight. Um, <laughs> Dude, I w- I hope there's a documentary on Minoru Suzuki and his American vacation because this is turning into just what? What an interesting like month that this man is enjoying. This to me probably way more fun than the G1 would be, and. Maybe less taxing, too. I only say that maybe because he is doing some hard matches in here.
1: And the travel, too. You know, all across country like that. It it can't be easy for for a guy his age. But um, if he showed up and did some sort of duet, like if Minoru Suzuki showed up with, like, bangs (laughs) and, like, mascara and just joined in on, like, whatever Marco Stunt was singing, like, that would be a dream
0: come true. He does, like, the punk version (laughs) of his theme. Oh, my God stop yeah. please this documentary could be <laughs> the suzuki international incident
1: oh yeah yeah that would, it, it's 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 a it's a banner uh, month for him absolutely
0: so anyway lots of reports coming up this weekend tuesday way and i are back with rewind away number 95 we have made it to 95 way there was a windows named after this year it was such a prominent number
1: Oh, huge! I believe maybe a Windows that you, you, you might even still be on. Is that right, John? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Way is on me to upgrade my Windows because it does not meet the minimum requirement for his grand plans of where we could be video wise. So I am, am uh, kicking and screaming this move, but I, I realize I, I have to upgrade.
1: But here you, we you are—it's are, okay. You're, you're on what is it? Uh, oh seven. Which one are you? Win- on?
0: Windows seven. Windows, Windows seven. 7. Okay. I mean, they're up to what now?
1: I don't even know. I'm a Mac guy, so okay. I can't really help you, but
0: it, it's fine. this. This computer has been so reliable. And part of that, I, I do attribute to the pandemic because I haven't had to be traveling with this laptop daily. But, dude, I have, I, I have like, everything now going back years because it's, this is the longest uh, a laptop has lasted me. I understand. I totally understand.
1: You know, it's, it's not a big deal.
0: Uh, we also, uh, so that will be dropping on Tuesday. This is the whole uh, reboot of Nitro with the April 10th, 2000 episode with the return of Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo. I always ask, way, have you started yet? I
1: have started. Um, I feel like I'm going to have to restart again because it was a, an episode that just moves like a blur and and I'll probably have to at least watch it another time to really see. It's...
0: Yeah. Insane. Okay. Yeah. It's insane the pace of this. I would love to see the run sheet because it had to be like 5,000 pages.
1: Man, we complain about these like dynamites being fast. Like it's nothing compared to at least this edition of this Nitro. No,
0: no. This is honestly a show on some kind of hallucinogenic drug. Uh, and then we've got all of our G1 shows. So this week, we're going to have three G1 shows dropping Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. All Post Wrestling Cafe members will get those shows. It's a it's a value week for all the patrons out there. Because not only are you going to get those three G1 shows, you also get Wei Ting back on MCU Later as they tackle Episode 7 of 9.
1: 7 of 9, that's right. Yeah, I believe this one episode um, deals with Party Thor. Something to do with Thor. And uh, I believe we might have a special guest, but I have not made contact with that guest yet. So uh, you should wait to find out who that is.
0: And last thing I'm going to mention is for Rewind to SmackDown this week, AEW has totally messed up our schedule. Um, They have just uh, totally thrown a a wrench into our Friday night plans by deciding to do a two-hour episode of Rampage. So Friday night, we're going to go live at 1215. Yes. Just think about this. 1215 on a Friday night after watching four hours of wrestling. So what we're going to do is we are going to do our live show Friday night. We're going to review the shows. And instead of doing our call- caller segment on Friday night, we are going to make Sunday's extreme rules post show available for all patrons, not just our double, double ice cap and espresso patrons. Everybody has access to that show live and we'll do calls on Sunday after extreme rules, which will be ending. Well, at least an hour earlier. We hope.
1: Talk about a value week! Not only are you getting all this G1 coverage, but you will also be getting Extreme Rules live, and we'll also be taking phone calls on that show. So, unfortunately, no phone calls this Friday, everybody. But uh, we'll have plenty of time to hear your thoughts. Set Sunday night for all patrons.
0: All right. So, whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com. We got a new Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure. UFC 266 on Saturday night will be handled by Phil and Eric. So lots of big stuff this week. Are you excited, way, for Nick Diaz's first fight since 2015? Um, yeah,
1: actually, a little bit. Sure. I'm very curious to see how he looks.
0: A rematch from April of 2004 with Robbie Lawler.
1: Right on. Wow, that should be great. Crazy. Crazy.
0: All right, we are going to move on now over to the news, and we are going to be starting with the fallout, the continued fallout from Thursday's Dark Side of the Ring episode covering the plane ride from hell. And we'll start with Ric Flair, who issued a lengthy statement on Monday, and I'm going to go through most of it here. And the statement was posted on his Twitter and stated, Every person that I've worked with, from my lawyer to my publicist to my wife, has said not to post a response but I've never run from past behaviors before, and I'm not going to start now. I want to clarify a few things. About four years ago, I gave ESPN full access to my life for a 30 for 30 special. They covered taxes, financial issues, adultery, divorces, the passing of my child, and drinking, partying at length. Rory Kampf, who he misspelled here, it is Rory Karf, who's a very well-known uh, producer of both uh, UFC documentaries and for this 30 for 30 on Flair. So uh, Rory, this is uh, Flair speaking, desperate to matter for another 15 minutes, did an interview about it this morning. And this interview was with Nick Houseman at Wrestling Inc. Flair says, when Rory's lips are moving, he's typically lying. But one part of what he said was the God's honest truth. Quote, I'd never heard that he had forced someone to touch his genitals, Carf admitted. Everything with Rick that was construed as negative, I tried to address in the 30 for 30, his drinking, his philandering, his adultery, his money problems. There's quite a bit, but never, at least in the people that I spoke to, no one ever brought up that he would force himself on somebody. I did hear about him exposing himself, which to me is still troubling, very troubling behavior, and that is addressed in the 30 for 30. This is back to flair. I allowed my personal life and the lives of my wife and children to be turned upside down for one reason, whether it's good or bad, even the really bad, the truth has to matter. Even in wrestling, my issues have been well-documented over my 40 plus year career. The impact of drinking too much, which nearly killed me five years ago has been told time and time and time again. The reason Rory or anyone else for that matter, never heard stories of me forcing myself on anyone is simple. It never happened. He is also, um, Added to this statement to Wrestling Inc. Um, stating, to clarify, the quote helicopter, as it was called, is accurate. I wish I could blame it on youth, but it was a case of drinking too much and being inappropriate, and I apologize for that, and of countless times over the years. I made some bad decisions during dark periods of my life, and it is something I've spent a significant part of years I was given by the doctors in 2017 trying to make right. I condemn sexual assault in any way, shape, or form. I could and have written books, as have others, that have covered my transgressions. I've made some terrible decisions, but I've never forced myself on anyone in any way, period. And just to um dovetail that is that tonight, um, at least in terms of WWE and their handling of this fallout, have eliminated uh Ric Flair's woo from the opening signature of the program. And we are in Canada, so we're obviously not watching the USA Network feed, but I saw from multiple people that the CarShield ad featuring Ric Flair did air at least once during Raw, which was uh, very surprising after CarShield, uh, their ad agency, had issued a statement to PW Insider stating this ad campaign would be on pause. So uh, taking all of that... um Wait, I just wanted to start off with you because we haven't got to hear many of your thoughts about the actual episode itself. Um, it's a pretty loaded question, just overall thoughts on it. But um, just specific, um, th- this is the one that seems to have generated the most uh, fallout. And, you know, th- this is one that I mean, very, very difficult to watch, but also one that ha- has clearly seen uh, consequences after it in terms of at least for flair and tommy dreamer so far
1: yeah absolutely i mean you know prior to even watching the episode i think i had heard a a whole lot of um discussion coming out of it um and watching it i completely understand um the discussion I, i completely understand the concerns and the criticisms and the controversy even if you want to call it that um it was a very you know, for me, like, I think I – count me in as, like, you know, one of the people who when – initially when I th- think of the plane ride from hell, I, I think of things, you know, that are – or maybe a lot more mischievous in nature and not as horrifying as they ended up being presented in this documentary um, through the account of the victim. Um, you know, something that, I mean, you know, was uh, at times kind of portrayed as, like, okay, it's just – these are employees, you know, of a sort of with with a locker room mentality, having fun. Um, but it's awfully different when you think about, you know, the the effects that fun to some people might have on other people. Uh, and it's the power of I think this documentary series that continues to shed a spotlight on, you know, uh, victims of of things like this and you you see something like this and obviously something had to be done um you know not just of course of 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 the people that are being discussed in the documentary but also of uh you know Tommy Dreamer's unfortunate comments that were very insensitive given the nature of um you know the, the rest of the 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 show um it I mean, I think, you know, whatever has happened between impact and also busted open, I mean, had to occur. It seemed like it, it they were right decisions to me.
0: I, I agree with that. Um, we should read that, uh, Tommy dreamer put out uh, his statement, uh, Regarding my comments on Dark Side of the Ring, it was never my intention to offend, hurt, or victim shame anyone. I understand my comments were insensitive and could trigger emotions in someone's own personal past. I do not condone sexual misconduct of any kind. I apologize to anyone I offended from the bottom of my heart. I am so sorry. And on Busted Open Radio, they briefly addressed this on, on Friday. Um, they stated it was, uh, Dave LeGrecca and Mark Henry stating that we, Did not want to ignore this because that could come off as we are condoning it. Um, uh, There was more on Monday's show where it essentially began with with, uh, Dave LaGreca pretty much just taking the floor and explaining, I I mean, very clearly condemning Tommy Dreamer and that he was shocked at what he heard from Dreamer on the show. He is not defending any of his comments, went so far as to say point blank that Tommy fucked up and this will not be tolerated. He is off the show for the time being, and it's unknown how long that time will be. So they have not cut ties with Dreamer, uh, but it sounds very similar to Impact that he has gone indefinitely uh, over over those comments, which are, uh, they, they were horrific comments. It's, um, I, I, I mean, there, there's really no way to um, rationalize or explain. They came off uh, c- terribly. My hope would be, him actually hearing the words of Heidi Doyle would um, put into focus just how awful what he said was.
1: Well, well, that's kind of what I was looking for from him in his apology. And I, I, I mean, I think it's one thing to like, you know, do an interview regarding a subject without hearing the other side. Um, maybe his whole perspective of it. It's, it's completely still indefensible. You know, some of the things that he, he managed to say there. But after seeing the episode, I, I was at least hoping for a little bit more elaboration on, um, ex, ex, exactly kind of how his words might have came across. Um, but I also understand wanting to be, you know, as, um, brief as possible. Maybe when you were doing a, a Twitter apology such as that. Um, of course, Rick Flair did not say, take that same tact and, um, I kind of feel like he probably should have because that was a weird apology. I mean, it, it, it's not; it wasn't even an apology. I guess it was more so, just a statement. Um, one, in then, there was in, also
0: no mention of Heidi Doyle either.
1: Yeah, and, and, and one, one like, in which he used that space to, um, oddly, just talk shit about the Thirty for Thirty documentary, and uh, it was, it was bizarre, and and I definitely would say probably came. Um, <laughs> under, um, against the, the advice of the people that were warning him not to issue that statement.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you can just look at, to me, it's an episode that I think will stay with people for a long time, because to me, it's, we can break this down in the micro, which are the specific allegations and incidents that are listed. There's also the macro view of a culture that we are seeing in action in this documentary where it's full of h bombs and this this whole boys will be boys culture and as I wrote about it's like all these these code terms that are thrown around that kind of cover this extremely ugly underbelly that are partying and oh, yeah. what is going on and I think this is this was like you can just hear like this you hear the the subject matter speaking about this like this is relatively normal kind of behavior that is often like done with like comedic effect to it of how hard we party and stuff and stuff getting out of control and i think that it's just this spotlight and just kind of indicates to you that if you are someone that is watching from the outside i mean you're horrified by this and and i'm hoping that there's more people now looking at at all of this of like what was accepted behavior or just considered you know every day just the cost of doing business was like putting up with this kind of behavior and then moving on
1: yeah i mean there's no shortage of these stories that are that, that have gone around very publicly, you know, a, a, and I mean, this week alone, I think you see old stories about, like, <laughs> everybody's favorite uh, backstage initiator, JBL, like, still come, come out. You know, Randy Orton stories are coming back out, of course, um, and, you know, we know a lot about these stories, but I don't think anybody is putting that under have have put those under the same microscope as what we may today and that brings into question you know like for events that have happened in the past like what what is appropriate punishment you know for for things that have occurred in the past um you know what what is the public court of of, of approval when it comes to something like that um, even though some of these companies may not hand out any sort of punishment, I mean, ultimately, you know, the public decides a whole lot about whether or not a wrestler, uh, is employable in the future. And, you know, what, what really determines that, um, these are all really kind of, you know, more complicated, uh, difficult questions to ask. Um, and, and every case is different, of course, but. You know, the, the subject here is Ric Flair, and I, at the moment, I mean, there's I, I don't know how the man can really come back from from this, um, other than, you know, um definitely a better statement than what he issued tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it really comes down to, like, what, I mean, it's, like, it was, and beyond Ric Flair, like, others, like, mm-hmm. that were the subject of terrible stories in this, and, I just think if you if someone was to watch this episode that is not following this industry and they ask afterwards what who was punished the most severely after this, and the answer is Tommy Dreamer. Listen, Tommy Dreamer, um, I think um impact and Sirius were well worth in their rights to do exactly what they did. Um he was not the worst offender in the in this documentary either. No,
1: no not at all. Yeah. Um you know, Brock Lesnar is is another one of those big names, and unfortunately, I I because it's the WWE and because he's uh, I don't know in such a big role uh, as an on-screen character, I have to err on the side of of um cynicism and think that not much is going to happen to him. Unfortunately, um, you know, wh- um, what wh- any other names from from the from the documentary that you think? Would, would be discussed, or at least, you know, whose careers may be impacted.
0: I mean, well, when you look at it, I mean, certainly for, for those that are going to go back and look at the lawsuit, I mean, the, the lawsuit paints, you know, Dustin Rhodes in, in a very negative light. Now, his allegations were not brought up, nor was the name of the other flight attendant that was part of that 2004 lawsuit with Heidi Doyle. Um, but those are the ones you're looking at. It's like the uh, Scott Hall, his... Allegations are outlined in the episode as well. Um, mm-hmm. Again, yeah, I, it, it comes down to the, uh, the the pressure that any individual or company uh, feels they are um, outside of this. Um,
1: Dustin's case is really interesting because I mean he he's in a very large role right now in AEW. I mean, featured pretty prominently, I believe, like on tonight's edition of, of Dark. He was he was featured. Um, QT, and, yeah. And has a big role backstage in that company, and you know this. This is an audience that is very in tune with things like Dark Side of the Ring. How will they react to him the next time he comes out on on TV? Um, He is also somebody who I think, like you know, has much more of a like a a real well known comeback story. Who you know, I would hope would be a very different person today than he is back then. But that that communication needs to occur between you know the people. Uh, you know, discussing these stories and, and the audience. Um, And, you know, it's, it's uh, of course, like every person has, has the right to say, well, like it's personal for me. I don't have to discuss it with the audience, but if you care about your public image, like the communication with the people that, you know, are, are going to be buying your tickets is very important.
0: One um, just other thought I had was, you know, just actually looking at the, the roster that was on that, um, on that particular tour and one person who is on that plane is Eddie Guerrero who had been back in the company for a month this is a recovering addict that has just come back to the company after getting clean and doing that indie run and he's on that flight
1: being stuck on the tarmac for as long as he was with the like uh, reportedly 3 carts of free flowing alcohol I can't imagine the the torture that would be, you know, for him and a Scott Hall.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you look at the list of offenses and putting an Eddie Guerrero in that situation is not going to be the most pressing. But I mean, that just kind of just to me just puts a spotlight on all of this that even a situation like that is like what, what a horrific workplace to be placed in. You're a recovering addict and you are in this in this environment on this chartered flight. It's it's a it's a horrible horrible part of WWE's history, and it's because that so many people were willing to speak on the record about it that these stories are out, and most prominently, Heidi Doyle was willing to be able to speak about it because uh, without her, I, I don't think you could go forward with this episode.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I. I I wonder, like, how willing she is to maybe continue to to do future interviews about something like that, uh, about something like this, of course. Um, It's, you know, her her perspective is obviously very important. And, uh, uh, man, but it's a painful thing to continue to bring up. So I I would understand she wouldn't.
0: Uh, So we're going to move on uh, from that, but uh, I do encourage people to uh, also listen to uh, Kate from Montreal, who I thought was fantastic on Friday's show, uh, discussing a lot of the key points uh, coming out of Dark Side of the Ring. And we have put that available for free, uh, both on our YouTube and on the post-wrestling feed, if you want to hear that discussion from Friday. Uh, some television viewership notes: SmackDown on Friday did two million two hundred forty-three thousand a point five eight in the eighteen to forty-nine demo. They were down uh, six and eleven percent, respectively. That was from the big Madison Square Garden show the week prior, and were second for the night behind Big Brother on CBS. Are you caught up on Big Brother? <laughs> I'm not. I sad to say. Um, I'm
1: also very sad to say though that I am caught up on Bachelor in Paradise, which is um, our latest guilty pleasure
0: oh, you know what? I actually was flipping through the channels and stopped on that the other night and I, I can understand how it grabs people and it was like, a, it was like quicksand and then I just quickly changed the channel. I'm like, it, I'm is, not falling it is, it is so awful. Trap. It is so awful, John, but you know what? It
1: is, a. I mean, we're speaking about maybe, you know, how uh, people's public image and it's a wonderful study on public image because like what happened, like there's just the big thing that just happened on the show where, it resulted in like, oh, I don't want to get into it with you, man, but like I can okay. get into it with you off air. But it resulted in one person basically losing like 100,000, 200,000 uh, followers and another person. Like there there are websites that track this data after a show. How many followers this person got? How many followers this person lost? It's It's fascinating.
0: Do you know that there's – I'm probably not breaking news to anyone out there that like I have none of this tracking stuff that if someone unfollows me – like people get notifications that you're unfollowing them. I' was like, man, I can't even like unfollow in peace now without uh someone being aware of it you just gotta unfollow everybody John that's I, you know like believe be it, fan I, Snap. it's actually like therapeutic when I hit the unfollow button on people because it's like I've got such a, a high number it's like I'm it's like I'm losing weight you know what I mean I I kind of get like a thrill out of unfollowing people
1: okay yeah yeah well just uh just do it um you know quietly late hours of the evening so people might not know
0: i i've made i've made a pact with myself that if someone ever calls me on unfollowing them i'm gonna be brutally honest and tell them you're you're not up to snuff anymore like you're not you're not delivering what i followed you for you've slipped sometimes i think about it like what what if instead of just like messaging people
1: i suddenly called them like how (laughs) about how about for every person you follow you ask for their phone numbers and then that way, they won't be offended. In, in fact, they'll feel like, oh, they were upgraded. Your connection is even closer now. And you give them a call. Not only do you give them a call, you call them at 3 a.m. in the morning. And just be like, hey, you wanted to be friends,
0: right? You wanted me to follow you. Anytime you know? I call you, you, you answer like it's got to be a mistake. Hello? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're always, like, stunned that I called. I actually pocket dialed you last week, didn't I?
1: Yes, you did. Yeah. I apologize yeah. for that. <laughs> Don't. Please. I always welcome it it's um it's honestly, it's more of a preferred form of communication whenever it happens um as provided you know neither of us is busy, but it's like man, like looking at my screen more and more is just like something i I wanna do less.
0: Rampage did 642,000 viewers and a 0.28 in the demo, uh, down 4% in viewers, up six, though, in 18 to 49. They were second on cable behind college football. Uh, This was their lowest viewership of the six episodes, but not lowest, 18 to 49. And I guess all questions are... This is such a big, week way for AEW numbers. I think Wednesday is going to be a monster. Friday, it's going to be big. And the question to me is... The two hour experiment. I do not think this is going to be one and done. I think the number is going to do very healthy on Friday, and I think that only keeps the door open for um, more two hour experiments. And believe me, I I am ready for a world where Rampage will become two hours. And I'm I do not want to see Rampage move to two hours selfishly as a viewer, but that is that that is the lifeblood of like what they are doing here.
1: Uh, selfishly as a reviewer, yeah. I mean that's. That would be awful, but as a as a fan of AEW, I really don't think it's the worst thing, you know. Especially because they have a roster now that can really justify the mm-hmm. the amount of screen time for a four hour week. Um, I just I, I i think to me the test is whether or not ten to twelve is viable for most people at, at, on a Friday night, uh, because I think the more like likely scenario might be nine to eleven.
0: So I, I was talking to somebody in the industry today. And this came up and I asked them, I was like, do you do 10 to midnight or do you do 9 to 11? And they immediately said, you do 9 to 11. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be a very interesting experiment that you're not touching SmackDown and viewers, not even close. What you are doing, though, is like you look at this this growth curve for AEW and I think it's just slowly and surely it's sending people to, to rampage and... Over time, somewhat building up that that first hour, I think it would be an interesting experiment. Even though we know that it's, it would it would obviously be noteworthy because it would be our first head to head of WWE main show with AEW. Yeah, and 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 the biggest
1: show. It's not just NXT. This is yep. their Friday night Fox show. Um, talking about you know the second hour. Presumably with like the biggest events. I mean, and you know, WWE will take that as a fight. They'll stack those hours. But if I'm AEW, like it, it still might be a fight worth fighting. Cause. And and if
0: you are doing like, again, you take out like the fact it is network versus cable, that if Rampage can have a very healthy audience and you Mm -hmm. can go to say, Hey, the show that's getting 205 million a year, we are doing X percent of that on cable with the big giant that's going to get a lot of attention and the whole idea is AEW pulling itself up to yeah. close to WWE levels of television rights. Absolutely,
1: exactly. You know, bottom line is uh you know, first of all, production-wise, I don't think it'll cost them anything more. You know, they already have all the stuff that that's necessary there. Um you know, what, you know, what I I'm not familiar with the TNT schedule, but what what exactly are they airing in that slot instead? You know, well, remember
0: this will be TBS turn, sure. come the new year sure even
1: um, even so tbs you know i i don't know if it would i please correct me if i'm wrong but like i'm i'm guessing it's probably not doing as good as rampage is right now so even a rampage going up against fox i i think would probably stand a decent chance of of going up against it and ultimately is that 10 to 11 hour going to be better or worse with that hour leading uh
0: speaking of AEW they made a very well-received announcement today that people were very excited about. They are partnering with the Owen Hart Foundation, uh, entering into uh, a relationship that um, states here That they are collaborating to honor the legacy of late wrestler Owen Hart, a beloved figure in the professional wrestling community and beyond. This collaboration includes launching the annual Owen Hart Cup Tournament within AEW, which will see the winner receive a cup known as the Owen, as well as the production and distribution of unique and original Owen Hart merchandise, including specified retail goods, as well as the upcoming AEW console video game and... Incorporates opportunities to develop Owen Hart action figures through AEW's partnership with Jazzwares apparel, posters, and additional collectible merchandise, and it is something where I mean Owen Hart has been a figure that uh, Martha Hart was very open about this in her media tour last year around the release of Dark Side of the Ring that. There had been, I thought, a very unfair characterization of Martha Hart as someone that wants Owen Hart's legacy to be um, put under lock and key. I think that was far from the reality. We saw that when she very much embraced when the George Tragos Luthez Hall of Fame honored Owen and she endorsed that. It was a case of, I am not working uh, with the company I hold responsible for my husband's death. And I think it was a WWE issue. And when she was on Jericho's podcast last year, stating as much that if New Japan wanted to do something, I'd certainly be open to that. I I think that Martha Hart did not have reservations about something like this happening and did a deal with pro wrestling tees. And this represents, I think, a significantly deeper deal. And I think it has a lot of people intrigued because of just like a genuinely um, unanimous praise for an individual in Owen Hart. It's absolutely wonderful
1: news, you know, and news that I, I feel like couldn't have come soon enough. You know, the fact that it's not just some sort of co-promotion endorsement deal, but the fact that we get a wrestling tournament centered around the legacy of Owen Hart, that to me is the most exciting thing. Um, you know, there are a million tournaments out there, but I think part of the the reason why you do them is to to continue to bring up the names of, of people who deserve it. And Owen Hart, to me, is somebody who will always be remembered for his King of the Ring win um and you know i i hope i hope um every year we we really kind of get a chance to to have all that um but you know like credit to martha for acting um you know by her by her wishes and standing by her her ground this entire single time i would love to hear brett's take on all this if he has said has said anything yet i i think you know he for the longest time has wanted Owen to be a part of this Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame and whatnot, for the reasons of keeping his memory alive. Well, this keeps his memory alive. And you know, Martha doesn't have to go towards the WWE to do it.
0: I have tried. Um oh, okay. but <laughs> it certainly brings up the, the the natural question is that when you do this first Owen Hart Cup, I mean, to me, number one, I think we're gonna see Martha on a on a wrestling program. Mm-hmm. And I I think Brett would be like Martha and Brett, they have certainly had the, their, their problems over the years. But I think this would be something that I, I think Brett would – you would think he would be invited for for something like this. And if, if Martha is okay with that, I think the idea of those two presenting it to the winner is a perfect idea.
1: I I, I would love to hear more of Martha's takes on it too. And I'm really curious to know like how much of – we keep going back to this Brody Lee thing you know with with uh with both cm punk and daniel bryan in their decisions to assign with this company and i have to wonder whether or not their handling of the Brody lee situation might have influenced her in any way because this is a company that is able to we've seen pay tremendously honorable tribute you know to to the to the people who have passed so i'm certainly curious to to see what the on-screen presentation will be for this tournament
0: and uh just a few last notes here um Impact has announced they did their Victory Road show that aired Saturday and at the end of the night Christian Cage retained the title against Ace Austin and then Josh Alexander came out to invoke option C and he will challenge Christian in the main event of Bound for Glory October 23rd in Las Vegas and I think that's a that's an awesome main event that Impact has for Bound for Glory.
1: Do we get a title change?
0: Um if if they are confident in Alexander's status, yeah, I would I would do it. That would be the guy.
1: I think so, too. Like, uh, I mean, just even as a very casual impact viewer, he is the guy who I hear the most buzz about, who has yet to, um, I guess, win the big one. And, um, yeah, he seems like a great choice.
0: And Wednesday's lineup for Dynamite Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium, Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Where does this go in the show?
1: Oh, man, it has to main event Dynamite, don't you think? It is not main eventing the actual live event. That'll be the lights up match. But yep. It has the main event Dynamite.
0: Don't you think so? I think so. I think so. Unless they want to just start off with something crazy. But I, I think it headlines. And I mean, I guess your options are Danielson winning, time limit, because I don't see Omega winning this.
1: Yeah, interesting. It's a it's another interesting question. Um, do you give Brian the the Omega win with Paige still kind of lingering around? I mean, you already did gave it to Christian, didn't you? So I guess it, it it's it's not as big of a deal. I'd probably have Danielson win, but a time limit draw would be really, I think, would do the trick too.
0: I I think it's going to be, um, you know, th- there's so much riding on uh, this week. I mean, that it's going to be the biggest crowd in AEW history. I think this lineup on Wednesday has the ability. I don't know if they're going to break that 1.4 million number that, that they did, but this this is a lineup that, I mean, God, this, is, this to me is the biggest number you're going to be able to pull. I don't know how many cards you can put together of this level with, um, it could be over 19,000 people there Wednesday night. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black, Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. How good was that segment on Friday? Did you see the promo battle?
1: Yes, I did. It was absolutely fantastic. It was exactly, I think, what Ruby needed to really kind of submit her status in AEW as somebody different from who she was before
0: mjf and brian pillman jr and ftr against darby allen and sting
1: all right sign me right up
0: big card okay we move on to raw from the pnc arena in Raleigh, north carolina and as i mentioned the signature without the woo that they have uh, taken out i'm honestly surprised they kept that
1: in there i mean as long as they have you know i i I mean, Flair was out of the company, but I guess they still wanted to pay respect to the man, And now that's out the window.
0: Which was interesting because we got a direct reference to it when the crowd started wooing during the Charlotte Alexa Bliss segment. And they, they did acknowledge it, which hmm. seemed to be more they were reacting to the crowd rather than some, um, something they were expecting. So we got the big introduction from Big E reunited with the New Day. For the first time since last week, and we got the championship celebration. You deserve it. This man seemed genuinely moved by the "You deserve it" chant, and he thanks all the fans, even the ones that said "New Day sucks." He forgives them. He thanks those beneath the heavens and one incredible friend above. As the audience starts chanting for Brody Lee, that was really nice. You Very know, cool moment.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a chant that like was was caught on by the whole crowd, but I mean, those who knew knew, and, and that that was really sweet.
0: And then he says, we're going to make the bloodline. We're going to send them packing. So they come out. They note this is Reigns' first appearance on Raw since 2019. Both hold their titles in the air. And we're starting things off with the six-man tag. So we get right into things. It's a 13-minute match. And they work up to Big E and Roman Reigns being tagged. Dude, people were getting up to their feet. They saw this as a big showdown. And Big E starts throwing him around with belly-to-belly suplexes and gets stopped with a urinagi. Superman Punch gets caught, another belly-to-belly. Big ending is stopped. Kingston gets sent over the top onto the Usos. And then Xavier Woods gets tagged and he lands a super kick on Reigns and gets a near fall. Lashley runs down, spearing Big E, attacks Kofi, and Xavier is distracted by this, turns around, and Reigns spears him for the win in 13 minutes and 4 seconds.
1: Great atmosphere for this match. You know, it was really electric in that uh, arena, and and this crowd saw this this opening six man as a big deal. It was for me the biggest takeaway was the the gauge of this audience's interest in Biggie versus Roman. And as you mentioned, they they were standing for it. You know, oftentimes in WWE when you have guys win their first championships, it's like you know the 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 champions that the company is trying to push versus the champions that the crowd really wants and Biggie is a champion the crowd has wanted for a long long time and not not just that but you know he has a size for it as well so that when he stands up next to a Roman Reigns people look at it as a bit of a dream match scenario despite the fact that Biggie hasn't necessarily been booked all that strong up until this championship win but the fact that these two are standing toe to toe from each other and this crowd was like salivating for it is a fantastic sign that they are ready to see him as a leading man. So that was very satisfying to see. And, and the match itself, I thought, was satisfying enough, you know, for a TV match.
0: Yeah. I mean, if there's one takeaway from the th- these last couple of weeks, it seems all the focus is on TV. Extreme mm-hmm. Rules to me was not a huge um, factor on this show. This did not feel like a go home show. This felt like a, this is the show. It's on it's on TV first, Crown Jewel second, and then Extreme Rules. Yes, that's your uh that's your chart. Afterwards, Lashley speared Roman, um which I kind of like that they did this spot because it does keep something with Lashley and Reigns to well, what my assumption was was, okay, well Biggie and Lashley is going to get set up for this pay-per-view on Sunday. I'm sure that is going to get set up, but we did not get that announced on Monday. In fact, we We had Lashley get beat later in the night, but we will get to that because we've got a one-night show to book. And then Big E gets speared through a barricade on the floor. And Lashley complains to Pearson DeVille about the cash-in. He was hurt, and he can beat Roman and Big E, no problem. MVP, they note, is out indefinitely after an RKO that was so devastating way. This RKO sent MVP all the way to Riot Fest in Chicago over the weekend Uh, with Damian Abraham. Took a photo with Damian Abraham even.
1: So, um, you know what? Um, You know, music gives you magical healing powers,
0: I think. Yes. Riddle and Orton were in the locker room. Uh, We talked about Spotify playlists. Orton likes the headphones. Riddle sang his theme. Randy's having a match with AJ. This is the best part about Way when you miss a week of Raw, they're gonna do the match multiple times. So you didn't miss Eva Marie and Dewdrop. Because last week, squash win for Dewdrop to run it back. This time, instead of two minutes, they went a minute nineteen with a running crossbody by Dewdrop after Eva cut a promo on her, um, calling her a mess, and girls like you can never be a woman like me.
1: Well, I probably should have taken this week off too, because I have a feeling we're gonna see it again next week. Uh, this exact same scenario here. So, you know, I, I, I can, I mean, I this feud does not will not feel complete to me until something permanent is put on the line. You know, whether it be Eva Marie stating she'll never face Dewdrop again, or like I, Dewdrop gets to name Eva Marie. Ooh, love it. What would she name her? Um. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Poo droppers. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just getting back everybody. I'm Trademark. suffering suffering a bit of sunstroke. But I will say, like, from the sounds of this, it sounded like Sunstroke the fans... and Dewdrop. Oh, Sunstroke. I love it. Okay. Sounds
0: like the fans were reacting well to this. I, I think they, they have I I think like, like they're drop. like Dewdrop's got like a, a catchy theme that the audience seems to be into, and she is like very good in this role.
1: They um, want to see her squash Eva Marie.
0: Yeah, and I think they're just going to keep doing this. Like, it does seem like Dewdrop is benefiting more. Like, Eva Marie, to me, just feels like, um, as an in-ring performer, there's nothing to do. There's nothing left. Well, I mean, I I suppose, yeah,
1: after the storyline. I mean, you got a lot of use out of her bullying Dewdrop, and then having Dewdrops, you know, do the series of squashes. But beyond that, I'm sure there there are plenty of stories I can write for her.
0: Then Big E demands Lashley and Reigns. Pearson DeVille just have to stare there and uh, think about what they're going to do. Then Heyman comes in, and wouldn't you know it, they are making a triple threat for tonight. Big E, Roman Reigns, and Bobby Lashley. So, 18-49s. to 49s, You're going to love this main event. You're not going to want to tune in anywhere. This was, uh, what did you think about this matchmaking?
1: It's a, it's obviously a really big match. You know, it, it felt like a pay per view caliber match that I thought they were going to maybe even do. Uh, um, I guess on some, one of their upcoming shows, well, it, uh, if one of them, I guess Roman's taken up for both of them. So what am I thinking even? But it, it's a, it's a really big. Match and I, I think you know, given their current patterns for booking TV, it made sense that they were going to give something so big. The question is, what this they is have? This is where the
0: big matches are going to go. Like for for your non like big pay per views, including like Saudi Arabia, like it's you're bulking up the TV. Like this is you you are getting bigger bigger television shows in light of you know this AEW success. And to a degree, Monday Night Football. Like, I think this is very reactionary.
1: But can you tell me the strategy of announcing it midway through the show rather than maybe, nope. like, the week before?
0: No. I think that's a big issue is that the Bloodline and New Day to people, yeah, that's a great idea of a destination. But you're giving it to us before you've taken us on the journey to get there. And I don't think you're maximizing the match. Like, I could tell you right now that... um Brian Danielson and um, Daniel Garcia. That'd be a fun match. Uh, and you could do it on a two hours notice. Or you could like build it up for a couple weeks. And, there has and, and to be there. some
1: strategy, though. Because, I mean, just like last week, it was like trying to get people to stick around throughout the entire show to watch that biggie cash and out. it
0: worked and it worked like they grew throughout the show last week.
1: Now, do you see the same, like, do you think they're doing the same thing by announcing midway through the show that you're going to get this three-way? Like, is there still that like, do you get any stickiness from, from an announcement midway through the show like this?
0: We're going to find out. I mean, this is, I mean, they, they did this, this was around eight forty five that they announced this big match. And I, I do think they have a big confidence on if it gets out on social media, it's going to grab everyone. And like AEW they do that to a smaller degree where they put out most of their card the week out and usually we get like a couple announcements that trickle in throughout the week and they rely on social media for that but you always go off the air of an AEW programming knowing what your at least a few of the key matches are for the following week's episode right Randy Orton versus AJ Styles uh we know they were noting there were several Pitbull references for AJ Styles. That felt like 2016 all over again. Oh, we didn't mention maybe the biggest news
1: of the day. Keith Bearclaw Lee. Bearcat. Bearcat, Bearcat. sorry. Yes. Bear, Bearcat Lee. Yes. So so in the dark match, it was Keith Lee, and he came out announced as Keith Bearcat Lee.
0: Trying stuff out, I guess. A Bearcat right. Uh, tribute. Yeah, sure. I I I mean, now it's in time fairness, to- in fairness, I was thinking over the last few weeks, what is Keith Lee missing? <laughs> and I settled on a nickname. That's that's what is holding nickname. the man back.
1: Well, I I think not only that. Now you got to go the full way. You got he's got to come out in a bear cat costume. You know, he's got to purr or meow or whatever bears do, you know.
0: I'm not going to uh, pay money to see Keith. Keith is the guy that fixed my air conditioner last weekend. I want a bear.
1: <laughs> listen, we make fun of it all we want, but listen, if it results in a push for the guy, okay, fine, whatever. I'm sure he'll take it. At least he gets to keep, keep Keith Lee. For now. For now, yeah.
0: Bearcat Lee. I, I guess that's what you'll eventually get. Oh, my God. Well, we'll find out. Omos gets ejected, and he laid out riddle. Uh, this turned into a very entertaining match between the two. AJ worked on the knee, chop blocking it and Randy sold it, landed a power slam. There's a tornado DDT by AJ that gets blocked. Orton got busted up around the left eye and then styles hit a quebrada, goes for the phenomenal forearm, but instead sees riddle there and goes for a PK off the apron, stuns Orton and then fakes him out. And as he's trying to go for the RKO styles pulls up. So we got Some gamesmanship from these two, but then Orton just kicked them and hit the draping DDT. So he outsmarted the pit bull. The crowd popped. RKO, and he won in 14 minutes and 58 seconds. And then he called out Minoru Suzuki for no, I'm kidding. (laughs) At emo fest, (laughs) is that what
1: emo 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 fight fight. emo Emo fight? fight. fight. Got it. Yeah. Well, uh, that's not happening there, unfortunately. But uh, you know, this was a really good match. I love the finish of them playing off of their prior matches with the uh, RKO off of the um, ph- Phenomenal Forearm. Um, it had a lot of time, I felt like, but I don't think this ever dragged or felt slow to me like many Orton
0: matches may.
1: I thought it was a really good TV
0: match. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was a fun match. The crowd was very much behind Orton as a babyface. And AJ's in a role where it's, I don't see him moving up, but I also don't see him moving down. And he's, he's sort of in a Kevin Owens role on Raw. Like they'll plug him in. They have confidence in this guy talking. He can work as a heel. If you, if they need him as a baby face, he could do that too. But I think you know his prime objective is you know Omos.
1: Yeah, it's it's to help Omos and it's to help any sort of baby face uh, get a big win at the moment. Um, and you know if you're a fan of AJ, you probably want to see him as champion. But for the for the time being, they just kind of look him as look at him as sort of this utility.
0: Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler. The match begins and Nia is yelling that Shayna was nothing without her. Shayna yells back, but she's wearing her mouth guard. So you couldn't hear anything that she was screaming. It sounded ridiculous. So after the Charlotte Flair match of a few weeks ago, the disaster. Now all of Nia's matches, we are to watch them under the guise that they could turn into... They could fall apart at any minute and turn into real fights. So Jax is unloading on her in the corner. Now it's like, it's getting ugly. And Baszler comes back nailing knees from the tie clinch and then hits these big knees, goes for the Kirafuda clutch. It's broken, and Baszler gets slammed to her back, but she's got the Kirafuda clutch locked on. Naya screams she can't breathe and goes out cold in two minutes and 19 seconds.
1: I was surprised by this, you know. Um, first of all, I I thought the match was was actually compelling. Surprisingly, you know,
0: with the, despite how brief it was, I thought it told a good story. Brief I- was the reason this this worked really well, and it yeah. was a surprising end too. Because I think if you were to envision uh, a two minute dominant win, uh, you'd be expecting it to go the other way. And this seemed—I uh, mean, this was one of Shayna's more like notable presentations on Raw
1: absolutely you know it started off like with naya basically like asserting that hey i was the leader of the team i was the dominant one i was carrying you and she established herself as such but then shayna gets pissed off and you realize shayna has been the one that's been holding back and she just destroys naya here and i was really surprised by that booking because like throughout all their tag team matches i mean shayna was the one that was taking all the falls so, here, seeing her booked as strong as, as, as uh, she was, beating Nia Jax, somebody who they protected really well in the past, was surprising to me. It tells me that they're going to p- go ahead with, with Shayna as a dominant threat, at least I hope. But then the post match has me like really kind of like wondering what the babyface heel dynamics were. So, why don't you take us through that, John?
0: Well, I just wanted to state that this match felt like it was mapped out of UFC 1. Or something where you had like the person that actually had some experience with Shayna playing hoist, mm-hmm. and then Nia Jax is like the fighter that got some like magazine cred and is coming in. She's a she's an expert in back backyard jujitsu threats. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a modern art that uh, no one has ever heard of, but she's a an expert in it with five hundred victories to her name, and she just gets rampaged by the person with some actual martial arts skill in Basler here. And it's a quick, fun fight that just mm-hmm. ends in two minutes. It was
1: realistic. Like I, I, I like to believe in a real fight, the person with the M MM, like with the veteran MMA background and Shayna Baszler would actually be able to do this to Anaya uh, uh, Nia Jax.
0: So I found it very satisfying. And Baszler continues the attack, kicks out Nia's arm and puts her hand into the side of the steps and kicks it. Jax is selling her wrist. And then she turns the elbow onto the steps. And she hesitates. It's like she's conflicted to doing this. But she commits to it. Stomps the elbow. Nia Jax, I'm going to say, was fantastic. She was screeching like her arm was shattered. And Basler, they have the look that she does feel remorse, but this was necessary. I actually was very impressed with this segment because I thought this would be just awful. And I thought they actually did something much more compelling and something with Shayna Baszler that I'm sure I will be laughing at myself in four weeks when we look at where Shayna Baszler is. But tonight, I was optimistic that this seemed like a real uh, push for Shayna Baszler coming out. Yeah,
1: I, I'm in total agreement. I thought this closing segment was great. Um, and I, I'm also at least a bit more optimistic with Shayna's booking from this point forward because they booked her so strong here. You know, she destroyed Nia, destroyed her in the match, and then destroyed her arm afterwards. Now, like, what I am curious about is, okay, clearly, like, Shayna's going to be the heel in this, right? Does that mean that they're going to, <laughs> like, is this the start of a Nia babyface comeback? Because I don't know how all that's going to go.
0: Yeah, it won't. It won't go well. But Shayna as your bloodthirsty villain, um, Mm -hmm. I have more confidence in that. And if we have hey, not literally, okay? we don't need a vampire Shayna. Oh, that's right. They did that already. And she and she escaped with her uh, character intact with the Alexa. That brief, that brief interlude. Well, we'll see. I mean, they're they're probably holding on to that one for later. We have a new tag team. Well, a reunited tag team of Angel Garza and Umberto Carrillo. The cousins are back together, Way, No team is stronger than family. Garza says we're the most handsome, talented, and charismatic stars in WWE. And they're taking on the flavor of last month, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. <laughs> I felt so bad for these guys. Like they, This was so clear that this is our new team we're in front of, and this is the old team. And... I thought that these two would at least get like a significant run up to the Saudi Arabia card, like going for the tag titles or something. But this just felt like we're we're putting this, these two on the back burner and we're going with Garza and Carrillo, who I thought had a lot of chemistry together. And I, I really liked this pairing in this in this match. This was a very good three minute match.
1: It was a great little sprint, lots of big spots, like no loan in action. It felt like, you know, something you would probably see on 205 Live if condensed to like a three-minute match. But I, I don't know if like, I don't think this is the last we'll have seen of like Ali and Mansoor. I, I have to believe that Monsur is going to have a pretty decently sized role in, in Crown Jewel. He has to. Like, this is the most prominent spot he's, he's ever been on the main roster, you know? But so what does I, that mean? Going for the tag titles? Uh, it's a good question. You're right. Yeah, and and will they book him as like a competent babyface team? That doesn't
0: even work with like Riddle and Orton. At least if you keep the titles on them, you don't even have like a big heel team. Like unless you go back to AJ and Omos. Um, I do agree. I'm sure they'll have tournament, King of the Ring. Um, you know what that that could be that could be his placement. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, this match. Uh. Mansoor lifted up Ali for this double foot stomp, and then Mansoor got drilled drilled into the barricade. And Ali gets posted by Garza. He screams at Ali, and we get this uh Carrillo applying this muda lock, and it's followed by a sit out drop kick by Garza as they got the pin. Uh, on Ali, but I, I I thought the Garza and Carrillo, not like we know what we're going to get in the actual match and they didn't have a whole hell of a lot of time, but just like their presence and their heel mannerisms, especially for Carrillo, who has not been in that role in this company, I, I thought they had like a lot of charisma together.
1: I I'm I'm excited to see Humberto Carrillo with a bit more of a heel edge and a bit more of a heel slant. I, I I I mean Garza has it, but he's really been portrayed as just a goofy comedy guy for a long, long time. So these two being a serious tag team threat, I, I want to see it. I think they probably need somebody else to like be a bit more of a permanent mouthpiece. Even though like even though Garza can speak, I just I don't know if like we we, we have that serious like heel promo out of either of these two so i i wouldn't like be opposed to seeing somebody attached to them to make them feel that more complete of a team but it's nice to see another team on board and i, I again i don't think it's the last we've seen
0: of Ali and mansoor i'm assuming we see this match at least three more times minimum carrying yeah. cross did like the identical promo from last week he's going to pulverize everybody nikki and rhea ripley come out and they promote connor's cure and Ripley, like, obviously got, got, like, very choked up about this because Nikki pretty much just had to, like, whisper the words to Ripley uh, to get through this, and then they dedicated the match coming up to the kids, uh, which was a clear sign. We were not going to see Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash come up short here.
1: It's hard to tell whether or not she, like, got emotional or she legitimately, like, forgot, but in either case, like, I, I think you know, the, the effect came across that this was like something serious. And this was just the big baby face moment for these two.
0: And the crowd was very, um, and the announcers were like very respectful too. it wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, w- whether, whether she was lost or actually caught up in, in the moment, Tamina and Natalia versus Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash, IE not Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox for the tag team championship. Uh, there was a heart attack onto Nikki Ripley made the save. And then Jimmy Smith notes, Ripley allowed one save. That was her one save, which is one of those unannounced WWE rules that actually exist, but they never ever say it. And this time they did that technically you're allowed one save. I've always heard that, but I, I never remember to count and call them out on it. Like, is that? This is literally one of the only times I've heard it on the actual broadcast.
1: Somebody out there, please go back to every match and point out a time when this was not the case. Come on. There's. It feels way too uh, low a number.
0: Yeah. I, I I look forward to all of those updates.
1: Uh, oh, okay. Just send them to me. Don't send them to me. <laughs> send them general. to me.
0: Uh, you guys don't know every single line that's been used in WWE programming history. Uh, it was stated in 1994. Ripley is selling on the floor, hits a cannonball and the riptide on the apron as Nikki... Uh, counters Natalia with an inside cradle and pins her. This tag title match went all of two minutes and 32 seconds, and Nikki and Rhea Ripley are crowned your women's tag team champions, and thus the Tegan Knox Shotzi Blackheart 3-0 record out the window. It doesn't matter anymore. We have new champions.
1: Well, hopefully they get a rematch, or they get the first match. Um you think? I don't know. The, the whole like, you know, Raw and SmackDown back and forth sharing of these tag t- titles has always been super awkward. It's tough to build feuds with both sides and they don't respect these titles enough to like dedicate a, a focused amount of time anyway. So uh, I can't really say I'm that optimistic about this run, John. You know, it's uh it was a nice little babyface moment for these two to kind of, you know, promote Connor's Cure, also kind of put them on the map as like a babyface tag team but i i'm not really optimistic about the run i also have to say like i completely of course like respect like you know the the charity work that 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 they they do for whatever reasons that they 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 have um i suppose like my whole thing is like i i I wish some of these segments in this one in particular felt um i wanted to hear the voices of the characters themselves rather than like them strictly reading so much like what felt like a pr statement from from the company, like I, I'm sure on com afterwards you're going to probably get like a really nice interview from both Rhea and from uh Nikki about like what maybe the charity means to them, what the win means to them, but on TV it just feels a little cold, in my opinion.
0: Alexa's playground. It's in the ring. Charlotte is brought out, and they note that Charlotte Flair doesn't play with dolls. But she got one last week. You missed Charlie's arrival last week, way. Alexa runs down Charlotte being the fun police, making fun of her hocus-pocus. The crowd starts chanting for Charlie, and Alexa has brought Charlie the doll, which last we saw was in the trash last week, but I guess Alexa played Jim Duggan and procured the doll from the trash. Well, they clearly have multiple. They're selling them on the shop, right? Are they all Charlie, though? The the actual soul of Charlie is... Uh, part I of all they, of these dolls
1: I mean well they established today that you can rip the doll but I'm, I'm sure Charlie will still return
0: Flair wants the old Alexa Bliss all of this is a pathetic front for how fragile and delicate you are Alexa you are broken and you hide behind this playground the dolls and that nasty black lipstick this doll is more popular than you And the only reason that Alexa was ever champion was because I was on SmackDown. I headlined WrestleMania 35. Now I'm playing with dolls on Raw. I'm the real deal, and I'm going to beat up a grown-ass woman that dresses like a kid. It's a desperate cry for help, Alexa. And I will beat the sense back into you. So Charlotte uh, then gets the response from Alexa, who says, You may have won the most titles here. You've also lost the most titles. And who is... Charlotte Flair, without a title, even she doesn't know the answer to that question. What would you say to these people without a title? And they all start wooing. And Alexa says, "That's not even originally hers." So Charlotte fires back, "Let's not talk about originality, okay?" Mm-hmm. Great. If line. that was just off the cuff, that that was very fast. Excellent. On, on on both of their feet, really, to react to the woos and then the line from Alexa to Charlotte. Yes, absolutely. Because I do not think they were drawing any attention to Woo's or Ric Flair's on purpose tonight. Uh, she hands her the doll. Or it said, I gave you the doll because even a self-centered bitch deserves happiness. And I don't need titles to stay relevant. And at Extreme Rules, you will call me champ. Flair says that Bliss will never find out who she is without the title. Because she's never losing it. I disagree. And they get into a big fight. And at the end, Flair takes Charlie and rips its head off, goes for Lily, but Alexa Bliss saves Lily's life.
1: Yes, that is right.
0: The meat of this, I I thought like they did a very good job with some of their promos in here, and I give them some credit because they had to maneuver around all this doll bullshit that it's almost impossible to do a serious... This was like watching Britt Baker and Ruby Soho do what they did, but you have to work in these fake dolls and one of you as a child um we have to fix put in all that bullshit on top of it i yeah uh, i i don't disagree
1: there but i also think that there 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 is like a a method to to the dolls like they they get a good reaction they, when you listen to this audience i mean this audience was cheering for charlie and they likely sell a, a good amount of these uh, on .com, And, you know, it's, it's a level of, I think color to the story that satisfies this particular audience that I think maybe an AEW audience would, uh, would, would be for them. It would be a turnoff, but this was 90% of the times I hate these Alexa bliss segments. I hate these like Alexa's playground segments. They're pointless. They're not creative at all. They're inauthentic. This, totally caught me by surprise, because Charlotte came in, I thought, with a great amount of uh, heat, with a great amount of like uh, uh, great lines, and when she asked for the old Alexa, I actually think you got some of it here, because this was not just Alexa Bliss playing character. This was Alexa Bliss, well,
0: this was more of it was the a more Bl- grounded version, which I think is where, that's where you can that's make what this character work. For.
1: exactly. Yeah, this was the Alexa Bliss of, of old, using great logic simply to cut down her opponent and it was good back and forth between her and charlotte both of them like with pretty scathing lines um like alexa digging pretty deep talking about what the title means to charlotte and that it, it in fact her without the title uh is somehow related to her insecurity like that's the level of of i think thought that i haven't seen from these sort of alexa promos in a long, long time since she's developed this character. So it turned into like a really good go go home promo segment. And I thought the physicality on top of it all, even with the doll, was was actually really good.
0: My my trepidation is seeing this doll's head ripped off and what <laughs> what the consequence of that is going to be. And I just could not leave this segment without that nightmare. Also worth noting is that the pay-per-view Sunday is in Alexa's hometown, on top of that. So I mean that should guarantee a defeat. It's just a question of whether she's humiliated on top of it. Well what method, you know, with with this doll's head falling off. Maybe maybe she's gonna get like a it's gonna look like Al Snow with head and all the fans are gonna be waving lilies in the crowd.
1: I think I think uh Charlotte Midbench should start should start like coughing up like cotton. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, like you say that and I I hesitate to even laugh because uh God we're certainly going to get a wink, I think. Close up wink. Oh, a wink from the doll? Like the cutaway? <laughs> oh, like this shit. is building to a mixed tag. <laughs> what
1: the? I suppose that would technically be mixed. Yeah, a human being and a doll.
0: Yes. Drake Maverick is running Operation 24 7 with R Truth, Tozawa, and Gulak. Their grand plan is to capture Reggie with a net. So they send out Drew to bore him with one of your stories. Reggie gets out of the way, so the net falls on Gulak. Reggie then leaps over all the equipment and this uh, photo backdrop and escapes the operation.
1: So now, even Drake coming in is completely incompetent as a planner. Like, he was supposed to be there, sort of like the the person to actually finally ran this group up into like a successful team. But even he is totally like his plan was terrible.
0: It was a bad plan. It didn't work. They plugged the Miz on dancing with the stars, which is interesting just because number one, it's on a different network and it's head to head with raw, but they want this guy to win. And they sent people to vote and literally said, vote for him over and over and over. You actually, I looked at this. You can vote up to 10 times, which kind of throws out the purpose of the voting system. Did you vote today? Not for The Miz. Did not vote, sadly. I, I
1: don't think I've ever seen a um, Dancing with the Stars, but um, I believe Nikki Billis' Nikki husband is still on the show. So. That's right.
0: He was on, too. So That'll anyway, The Miz uh, – it, it's just interesting because we have seen um, – I remember yeah. when Stacey Keebler was on Dancing with the Stars and they never promoted it. And you're also talking about a time when they are very uh, concerned, I think, about their numbers. But, you know, Miz is obviously they, they want to promote this.
1: Well, him doing well on show ultimately is going to be really good for WWE because he is somebody who I don't necessarily see leaving this company. Unlike maybe a, a Stacey Keebler or even a Nikki Bella. Like I'm pretty sure the Miz is going to come back. So uh, it's promotion for the company.
0: Yeah, they they also, unless I misheard, they also did not tell you to go watch this. They just told you to go vote. <laughs> so sure. yeah. they're going to draw the line somewhere. Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. Uh, it took me the first three minutes of this match to realize that uh, Damian Priest is the champion and not Sheamus. And I should have known that uh, Damian Priest is on commentary. So if Jeff Hardy wins, it's a triple threat on Sunday. This after he lost the title match last week. So that makes sense. Party did a poetry in motion off the steps and gets caught and dropped on the apron. Seamus loses; he takes off his face mask and then the dude's nose gets busted up. I didn't notice that. Oh yeah, he there's had blood? a bleeding nose. Yeah, oh wow, blood. poor this guy can't well. catch a break. Actually, he literally can catch a break and mm-hmm. has subsequent damage. Twist of Fate gets countered with a flying knee, and then Hardy ducks a brogue kick, hits a Twist of Fate, the Swanton lands on the knees, and as Sheamus lifts them for the white noise, it's countered with a sunset roll-up in 9 minutes and 4 seconds, so we've got Damian Priest, Sheamus, and Hardy on Sunday, Sheamus and Priest got into a big fight, with Priest driven into the post and then Priest clotheslining him to the floor, Jeff Hardy just vanished after this match. It was as though we the whole post match was about building. This is a singles match, but we've got Hardy inserted in the mix on Sunday because I guess they want a second babyface. Okay, dude, I have no idea, man. It's he's like, off that car- he's coming off that carrying cross momentum. I
1: guess so. Uh, Maybe they just wanted to freshen up this match, you know? Like you've seen this guy against this guy, and you've seen this guy against this guy, but you've never seen all three together. Uh, At least, at least not not recently. Um, I definitely had my third hour fatigue finally set in for this one. Um, You know, in the middle of I would say what what's been a really good Raw, uh, or at least far above average in terms of match quality. And, And not not to say that this match was that bad, but like I feel like I've seen it so much, even though I might not have that it's really hard for me to get all that interested in it. Um, the match at the pay-per-view, I can't say is all that enticing, but of course the quality could be good. And ultimately we're just here to like, continue to rack up wins for Damien Priest, aren't we?
0: Pretty much. I mean, this is all about just put it, pushing Damien Priest. Um, there's just nothing wrong with that. Main event, Biggie, Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley on two hours. Notice Biggie charges the ring and starts going at it with Lashley before Reigns gets involved Uh, We had multiple commercial breaks here. There was a Tower of Doom with Lashley taking the superplex, and then Biggie gets pulled to the floor by Lashley and sent into the barricade. Lashley lifts up Roman Reigns for a delayed vertical, and I thought he was going to hit him with the jackhammer and keep this Goldberg thing going, but he just hit a regular vertical suplex. Biggie returns, lays out Lashley, splashes both coming off the ropes. There's a Superman punch that gets ducked, and, I mean, it's very evident that this audience is very much behind Big E. I, I think they have they certainly have something with, with Big E. And I mm-hmm. and I think that like he I mean the hope is that he gets a, a fair shake in this role, but he certainly did feel like a top guy in this mix. Is, he did not feel out of place here.
1: Yeah. No, he, he immediately feels feels like a top star. And the thing I I I hate about this is the fact that this gives credibility to their idea that you can give the guy a money in the bank and you can have him off TV you can book him like shit even in some cases not that they've d- really done that with Biggie but they they've really neglected him like with any airtime since he's won it and it doesn't matter because when the moment he wins the belt like people will treat him like a big star so I hate the fact that I mean I love the fact that he's getting you know it's great of a reaction he is but I hate the fact that they're kind of proving us um
0: or th- it's proving them right Yeah, they put him on Apollo cruise control for six months. (laughs) Yes, they did. Lashley pulls Biggie to the floor after he hit the big ending on Reigns and slams Biggie through the desk. Lashley spears, uh, goes for a spear but gets hit with a Superman punch. Lashley then spears Reigns. Biggie breaks it up. And the Hurt Lock gets stopped with a Superman punch. Reigns goes to the floor and gets speared off the apron. Big ending is hit to Reigns. But then Lashley comes in and beats the hell out of Biggie with a chair. Just over and over and over again. This was like Drew McIntyre and Shanky. And Lashley turns around, eats a spear. And Roman Reigns pins Lashley in 20 minutes and 11 seconds. And that was my only thing at the end of this is that... Biggie and and Bobby Lashley is your raw direction, and it just felt like, well, we did this three way, we've got to end it with with a finish, and I, I just didn't want to see Lashley have to eat a pinfall here. But I, I didn't, I didn't well, want to see who, any of these three exactly. Who would you have had lose well, well, that? That to me is in a bucket. Here is like we want this match because of the appeal of doing it. Uh, We don't want to necessarily beat anyone, but they ultimately did pick one like there was no great option here of beating any of these guys unless you could argue like Biggie pinning Lashley. I mean, they probably want to save that for the singles rematch.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think I think given the circumstances, I give them credit for the fact that they actually delivered us a finish here, you know, because I was actually like. Probably like eighty percent expecting this to be thrown out somehow with no conclusive ending, but the fact that we actually had a finish here, I think it needed to be Lashley to be the one to take the pinfall because it shouldn't have been either of your champions. I thought this was an excellent main event. You know, I would call it like, like a, a, a WWE pay per view caliber main event if that that means anything these days. I thought it was really well booked. It made it made Big E not only look like he belonged with these two, but it made him look almost dominant in some cases against these two monster heels. He was given sort of like the, 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 credible win, if not for Bobby Lashley coming in with the steel chair and ruining it for him. Uh, the pace was very entertaining. A lot of big, significant, significant spots. And I thought it retained everybody's value like pretty well leading to, you know, whatever matches and programs they have in the future.
0: Yeah. I, I thought that tonight did a very good job of trying to present Biggie um, it, it was tough because, like, your first Raw, uh, both shows, because he was on SmackDown as well, both shows coming out of this, he's on the show with what everyone will agree is the prime champion in the company. So it becomes very difficult that you're already casting him alongside Reigns. But I, I think in both shows, they, they did a very good job of making the making Big E feel close to an equal to Roman Reigns. It wasn't like Reigns beat Big E here, which would have been just completely stupid. Um they they've you know, had they had Big E like
1: visually pin Roman several times you know as and, a, and, again without cheating and have so.
0: made it very much appear that like that will probably be the Survivor Series match unless they unless they change course from what they they laid out on on Friday. Uh, my question to you: A this is the card that we have for, for Sunday. Um, they have made the Roman Reigns Finn Balor match the Demon King Finn Balor an Extreme Rules match. Alexa and Charlotte, Damian Priest, Sheamus, and Jeff Hardy. Becky and Bianca Belair, the Usos against the street profits and Liv Morgan versus Carmela. So you have six matches. Probably they'll add something. Do you just hold off on Biggie and Lashley and just do it on TV? If that's so important now, let's save that for like, is anyone watching the show on top of it? That isn't already with this lineup. Your mm. priority appears to be your TV. Save that match and build it up for a week. Or yeah. announce it midway through Raw next week and do it at the end of the show. They could do that or they could do, you know,
1: any number of rematches from Extreme Rules, which which is a possibility as well. But I, I, I think I, I would prefer that. You know, I I think you might upset some people who might say, well, how could you not put Big E on the pay-per-view? But the pay-per-views aren't, to me, big deals anymore. To me, like, this Raw, feels
0: like a, a nothing show on Sunday. This is our, yeah. our monthly obligation. And I mean, I think Reigns and Finn—it's going to be a great match, but there's—I think there's no suspense there. And it's- I, I think Becky and Bianca
1: is, is a pretty, you know, decent, like pretty hyped match. Outdo you know?
0: SummerSlam, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens with this like Alexa Charlotte craziness. Um, but beyond that, it's like, yeah, I, I can't really say I'm that attracted to much else here. I, I, I would actually say Bianca and and, and Becky should be the main event.
0: I think they'll end with the Extreme Rules match, but oh, okay. um, yeah, if it's it, a... it could be quite the make-it. You could also, like, yeah. WWE is not averse to putting, like, they do the big first match and the big last match, and you could go either way if you wanted. That's the only Extreme Rules match? Like, that's the only stipulation yeah, That's the only on the match show. with a stipulation on Extreme Rules, is as of now, is Reigns and Balor. All I mean, right. they, did, they did do the chair with Lashley tonight, so, I mean, you could do... I just think Big E and Lashley, like, you could throw it on this pay-per-view and you make it a hardcore match or... Another extreme. Why, rules match. why, why just do that, John?
1: When you can do both, you could put it on this show, you could put it on TV, you could put it on SmackDown, you can put it. Well, on here's Next the other week.
0: thing: is that you put that on Sunday, and what what title match are you going on with last? It's probably not Big E. Like, why put Big E in that position where we're telling you it's it's not the important title match?
1: Well, more is more.
0: You just want to like put everybody on every show. That's all I'm getting at. Ways I want a two hour pay per view on Sunday. That's what I'm really trying to get at i do too i do too that was raw um i'm with you i thought like this was a a pretty pretty good episode good of, raw. of raw it was a good
1: raw I'm, I'm gonna take the pretty off of it i thought it was like i thought the wrestling was good yes it was still three hours you're gonna have to get past that um but it, it, if you actually i, I haven't got over down. it yet
0: that the show is three hours i'm i'm not there yet maybe maybe Fair. when it's been a decade next year maybe <laughs> that's when i will officially embrace is it next year 2000 yeah God, ne- dude, no next, way. next summer it will be 10 years of three hour raws i gotta
1: count the gray hairs on my head that i've developed in that time because um i i definitely owe it to some of these third hours but it was a good edition of raw i thought with like pretty consistent like good quality wrestling good promo segment surprisingly between charlotte and alexa um you know t- a pretty like big main event that you got on tv so i i actually would have would say that i enjoyed the show
0: the real reason everyone is so happy. Well, at least I'm going to say personally, selfishly. The reason I'm most happy way is back. He knows how to work the poll system. Dude, this thing I I couldn't. Okay, I was just getting angry. Oh
1: man, I felt bad cuz like yeah, it's a bit weird. You got to like go to I'll show you off here. You got to go to I, build poll and then like click the little gear icon. It's it's stupid.
0: Yeah, we didn't get along me in the polls. 6.27 out of 10, which is I cannot recall the last time raw was so high, but it could have been higher last week. People won't know because of my handling of the poll system. So <laughs> it could have been higher last week, but we were throwing that one out. Why don't you start us off? This will get you right back in this swing oh, of things. Oh Jesus! Okay. Well, we have to start with the uh, with my
1: with my Scrabble with my Words With Friend friend Brandon oh from goodness. New Jersey. We've got like a probably like a, a giant streak going. And I, I, um, he's fun to play with because he doesn't try at all. So like. I'm I'm on like a Goldberg run against uh Brandon with New Jersey, from New Jersey right now with words with friends. But he says, Gentlemen, good evening. John, good evening, and Way, welcome back from Excursion. I hope you are well. Oh god. Espero i I I'm not even gonna try. He he wrote something in Spanish. Raw was a fun show. The six men before football was fun, and the main event was very interesting stuff. I wonder what's next. Meanderings. John away. are Charlotte and Alexa Bliss having a Mercy's Playground match? Marcy's Playground. Marcy's Playground match at Extreme Rules? Would you like me to sing the song? I was told I had the voice of a generation. The last oh. thing I ever want to hear Brandon sing is Sex and Candy, so no. So what's a Mar... Oh, like an Alexa's Playground, Marcy's Playground. Gotcha. Yeah. That was a great song. John away. when Charlotte ripped the head off of Alexa dolls, what if cocaine came out of the head and... Oh. Uh, hmm. John and way I know rampage does what it does, but don't you think thirty three minutes of Matt Hardy is a little much? And also, I get it with um, I think he means he says Kia Del Sol. I Probably think he means his car. Oh, okay, got it. And is
0: he, that was a Kia? I don't think so. Okay, uh, what I'm trying to say is, oh, okay, wow, okay, Brandon, I'm I'm sorry, I, I got to be honest with Brandon. Okay, some are hits and some are misses. Yeah. So I, I'm, Marcy's playground. That was okay. Um, you totally whiffed on the the Charlotte Alexa cocaine joke, and the end was just you, you're better than this brand.
1: You gotta you gotta at least save those for 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 the later portion. You can't start off our feedback with,
0: with yeah. that. Brandon's not a Monday night guy. No, it doesn't usually pop up on these ones. Carl from Calgary. Biggie shout out to his friend Brody Lee was a great moment and he was visibly emotional. Good on WWE for letting their champion speak to that. I miss the reason for the bloodline coming over to Raw, but it can only help the battle with the competition to do this on occasion. I find the Nikki Rhea Ripley storyline similar in some ways to Orton and Riddle. Yeah, it's, it's identical to about 85 tag teams. Maybe too much of the odd couple tag teams. I think that we have to, Maybe. Le- we have to have legitimate matches with Reggie. This 24-7 title is just comedy, but not that funny. I think the Alexa Bliss angle has run its course. It's dragging down the title picture. Time to revert back or change character. It peaked when partnered with The Fiend. I thought tonight was a good
1: sign for the Alexa character. I, I, I mean, We actually got a genuine, like, human-voiced Alexa cutting a promo. Like, a very believable promo. In the China,
0: non-human so. voice of the doll is coming on Sunday.
1: Okay, well, you take the bad with the good, I suppose.
0: But I, I hope
1: this is, like, a version of Alexa that is going to stay, at least. But I agree with uh, a lot of the other points. Finally, we end off with Muggin, who said, A better-than-average Raw tonight. Book-ending the show with Roman, Biggie, and Lashley certainly helped. The main event was very strong, and neither Lashley nor Biggie looked weak coming out of it. It avoided the trope of the opposing brands champion pinning the Raw champion, and it would have been a bad look for Biggie if he had taken a fall. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. He was presented as every bit Roman and Lashley's equal. All right. Way, welcome back. Uh oh, thank you, John. Uh, glad to be back. And uh, did you get a chance to vote today? Yes, I did. Okay, good, great. Well, we await the uh, election results. Happy have election they, day, everybody. Have they not announced the the winners? Well, They're I know projecting? there are a lot of there are a lot of mail in ballots, so
0: I don't mm-hmm. know if if you I haven't checked. Also, well, um, then we, then we will be following along. But yes, it was a federal election today in Canada. So I hope people got out there to vote. Okay. Uh, I I
1: we have projections, if, if you care.
0: I don't know. Is it a spoiler? Is, that, is this going to upset anybody that's listening? Oh, I was I was going to watch all the election coverage next week. Uh, I saved CBC for the next uh, okay. night.
1: Well, uh, Global News and CTV News. Uh, okay, so CTV News is declaring a liberal minority government. So Justin Trudeau will stay as prime minister. Uh,
0: okay. Okay. There you go. Spoilers. To to recap, everybody, here in Canada, we had our last federal election in 2019. Two years later, we had another federal election where we went from a liberal minority government. And now two years later, we have a liberal minority government.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but does this extend the term? Like, I I don't really know much about this. What was the strategy behind this? Why did he do this? Obviously, was, was
0: very confident in... Um well in winning a majority didn 't work out so well i guess doesn 't matter it, it we 'll do another election in a year, maybe six months. why not?
1: Well, I suppose it was nice, you know, waiting out in the hot sun uh, for about an hour um to go and vote. In the midst of a pandemic, so yeah, I got
0: I got, yeah, I, got I got stuffed into this this way too tiny room with all these people. I was like, oh, th- this is wonderful in a pandemic. This seems like yeah. exactly where I should be at this moment, as I was stuck there. And then I actually I was in a section where I I got to bypass the line. So I was oh, like, suckers! I'm out of here.
1: All right, all right. Well. And
0: now we are out of here. So thanks everybody for listening. We're back Tuesday with Rewind Away. Ways Ways going to enjoy being back in the swing of things by watching Nitro from 2000. There's nothing that is like a cold shower than Nitro from 2000. So we're going to... I'm going to make a list of the top 75 angles from that night, and we're going to talk about the the lead-up to that Nitro and the fallout of that Nitro and everything in between. Don't forget your scissors. Literally the, the best of a whole night of 5,000 angles. They squeeze one in in literally the last 10 seconds of the show, and I was just... <laughs> It's like, this is just too much. It's amazing how many times you can watch this, and still I'm watching it like it's the first time, where I don't retain any of this.
1: Oh, it's going to be fun, yes. All right. Goodbye, everyone.